We're going to reflect on what was written in the book of life for John the Baptist, but I want you to reflect on what might be written in the book of life for you. So, I'm going to go slightly into role, and just for, I'm going to flip in and out of this, but you've got to be John, okay? And now this is quite hard because John's not here this morning, so you've got to be here in his stead, and I'm going to be speaking to you as if I'm Eamon Andrews speaking to John the Baptist. So, the tricky thing, John, to start off with is you need to know this isn't really about you at all. This is all about Jesus. But we're going to use your life as an example, uh, trying to get into the story and learn some lessons from your life written in this book. See, Israel, as you know, were waiting for a Messiah. And your parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth, were waiting for a child. You weren't there to experience it or know about it, but they were waiting and waiting and waiting and longing for this child, you, who were a bit slow in coming, and they'd given up all hope altogether. That makes you very special indeed. Zachariah's job was the job of a priest, and he took it in turn to go to the temple to uh, pray and pray and offer incense. Really important job. You're in a great lineage here. Um, and then to bless the people. But something happened that stopped him in his place. Both your mum and dad, Zachariah and Elizabeth, were righteous. Verse 6 of our passage, in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. They were both very old. You know what it's like, John, when people can't conceive in our culture, the pain of it to start off with, but the shame of it too. Well, I sent a messenger, a holy messenger, to visit your dad, you know, this godly man that was supposed to believe in God, but he didn't believe a word of what was shared with him. Verse 20, and now the Lord said, you struck dumb, you're going to become silent until this happens because a child was predicted and he couldn't believe it. John, you were the forerunner for Jesus. Your job spec, if you read the small print, was to prepare the way for Jesus, pointing to him. Your mother had a rather important job to carry this baby in her old age, a precious cargo. And in a way, just looking back, John, you'll know that Elizabeth, in a way, was the forerunner for what was going to happen to Mary. This is very interesting, and you probably won't remember it at all, but when you were in your mother's womb, when Mary turned up with Jesus in her tummy, the Holy Spirit made you leap for joy in his presence, like your cousin, a close bond even before you were born. Well, you were born, there was much joy, much deliberation, 
didn't really need to have a conversation about name. It was obvious you're going to be called Zachariah. But your mum pipes up and says, no, he's going to be called John. Well, Zachariah hadn't been speaking for quite a while. So for some of us, that might have been a blessing. For others, that could have been a curse. But in those moments, he asked for a tablet to be given. And on the tablet, he wrote these words. His name is John. In those moments, his tongue was loosed and he began praising God. I just like to call as witnesses almost, John, a few people, and not just people actually, some angelic hosts, and hear what they had to say about you and your significance. So calling first the angel Gabriel. Don't get many of these in This Is Your Life, but here we go. The angel is coming to join us this morning. Verse 16, speaking of you, you're going to bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God. And you're going to go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make people ready and prepared for the Lord. I know quite hard to believe. Believe it, wouldn't like you to be struck dumb because speaking is going to be an important part of your job as you grow up. Uh, and then, how about calling your father? He said, words of the Benedictus for those of you who are very good Anglicans, verse 76, Zachariah speaking to his child, to you, John, you're going to be called the prophet of the Most High. For you'll go before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, to shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide their feet into the way of peace. No pressure then. John, you had a very simple lifestyle. I've been chatting with a few people. I mean, your diet leaves much to be desired, your fashion sense and everything. And um, I don't know what you had uh, about you that uh, preferred to be in the wilderness uh, rather than be in sort of normal society, but people came and found you there. Later, not quite sure when, Jesus said this of you, Luke 7, Verse 27, this you are the one whom it's written, I'll send my messenger ahead of you who'll prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there's no one greater than you, John. That's extraordinary, isn't it? No one greater that's living than you, John. But hear this, and this is where you need to flip out of role and be you, yet 
the one who's least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So you as you, not you as John, if you've got faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in his kingdom and you're greater than John the Baptist. Well, back to the book, the red book. Um, the outside cover or the bookends of your life, um, rather miraculous beginning. I think we could all agree upon that, proclaimed by the Father. And the change of name is quite a significant departure from tradition. So miraculous start, but tragic and brutal end. And if you don't mind, John, I'd like to remind you of some of these things this morning. In the week, this is me sort of slipping out of role just for a few moments at morning prayer. I was given Luke 40. I didn't know I was going to be preaching at this service, actually, at that time. It wasn't meant to be me, but I was given Luke 14, 1 to 12, to reflect on in morning prayer. Um, we know John was a tad outspoken, um, and he rebuked Herod for taking his brother's wife, Herodias, Herodias's daughter, did a dance, a very, very good dance. And how about this? Herod wrote a blank check. You can have anything you want in exchange for this wonderful dance. And I've just been reflecting this week on the, the price we put on entertainment. How much do we pay our film stars? or our sports stars. And this is a bit of a side, but I think it's relevant. At morning prayer this week, I talked about sports washing. How much money is John Rahm being paid by Liv for hitting a golf ball? Anyone know? How about half a billion? Half a billion. How about the footballers that kick a ball? I love football and I love sports. But you know what sports washing is? You get these stars and you pay them an absolute fortune, a blank check, and I'm going to talk about that in a few moments, so that we might turn a blind eye to people's heads getting put on platters to abuse and people using their powers um, indiscriminately and oppressively. So here's the story of the blank check of John the Baptist because the daughter did the dance, and the daughter asked for everything, anything that she wanted, what she wanted for her mother. And there's no uh, mistake that I'm using an offertory plate to demonstrate this. She wanted the head of John the Baptist on a plate. Sadly, Herod was more concerned with public opinion and what the court thought than whether it was just or right or not. Sadly, Herod was more fearful, in my opinion, of the people around him and keeping face than the living God. So let me read to you John 14. 
Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed. But because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that the request be granted. Verse 10 of chapter 14. And had John the Baptist beheaded in prison, and his head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. So I think it's probably fair to say that Herod messed up. He was pride, pride force, saving face. I think more concerned about being liked. And it seems that even in Herod's day, entertainment and showmanship seemed to trump justice. Well, John... Back into Rome, the curtain certainly fell on you, didn't it? That was your very sorry end. But was it an end? Was it an end or a new beginning? Because the curtain falling on you heralded a time where the curtain raised on Jesus in quite a miraculous, a remarkable way for a short period of time. John, this is and was your life, but for us this morning, um, what does it mean for us? What's written in our little red books? So I've got three questions, and I'm going to be very quick. The first question is a question of focus. The second question, a question of faith. The third question, a question of God-given calling. So firstly, the question of focus. Some of you remember a couple of weeks ago, Catherine sort of preached on waiting. Were anyone here for that? And Eli the dog, waiting at the door, waiting and waiting for Catherine and Mike to come home. And I put it to you that that was probably before that sort of waiting that they were doing around that time was waiting for Jesus to arrive. For us, Jesus has arrived, so we're waiting for his return. But we're just not waiting, I don't know, aimlessly, and we're not just waiting. We're called to get on with our lives. So um, the key thing is um, in the passage, would they recognize Jesus the Messiah when he came? And for us, we're not simply to be waiting. For us, our focus is more how we live our lives. But we don't live our lives on our own. We live our lives in partnership with God's help and grace. Because it is quite a tough gig to be a Christian. So he wants to help us. He just wants us to be willing. Okay, so focus. The second uh, question of faith, and I'm using this as just a little bit of a, a prompt. There was quite a lot hanging on a name, wasn't there? <laughs> There was quite a lot hanging on Zachariah's faith. I think the good news is that he didn't have a lot of faith. But his situation, Zachariah's, was redeemable. And we still sing and say Zachariah's song to this day. His prophecy over his son. So there's a little bit of a side question here. Zachariah's mouth needed to be opened. 
And um, I'm just reflecting on me, so I'm not putting guilt on anyone here. But how many times has my mouth remained shut or me failed to get the words of God out to a particular people or situation? Now, there's times when my mouth has been opened a bit too widely, and the Lord probably would have done well to have shut it. But I'm just thinking about the faith in being witnesses and pointing people to Jesus. Or even in our context this morning, our lips being released like Zachariah to praise God because he is so worthy of our praises. So, question, do you need, do I need to ask God to loose our tongues? to pray him, praise him and testify him a bit more freely. And then, um, finally, a question about God-given calling. John's call was to prepare the way for Jesus, to point people to Jesus. He was to become less as Jesus became more, proclaiming God's kingdom um, as I've said, his kingdom's already with us, and we await his return, Jesus' return. John had a boldness in calling the people to repentance. And pray that your vicar <laughs> has a boldness to do that in a graceful way, but to not do it denies people an opportunity and to stand before the throne of grace with their little red book and be welcomed in because that's part of the condition to be God's children for the whole of eternity. John was faithful to his calling, and one that happened before his conception, and even when he was being knitted together in his mother's womb, he had a sense of the presence of God and um, his spirit resonated with the Lord's presence amongst him. In as much as any of us are able, um, and for, um, I, I just I know for sure, what is your preordained earthly calling and purpose? That's a really big question. So I want to dial it down a little bit. It doesn't need to be on a grand scale like John, but it might be, not it can't be the same as him, but it can be very ordinary stuff, simply getting on faithfully with the things that we're called to do. So all called to faith and faithfulness in Jesus and to take our God-given opportunities to point people to Jesus. And I just want to close with a few adapted words. I think they're in Psalm 19. So I don't know what your offering to the Lord is this morning, but how about, again, your whole selves? Okay, let's start there. Uh, actually, not to offer our whole selves a little bit foolhardy. Um, it, I, it'd be a bit gruesome, wouldn't it, to put less than our full selves on the offering plate this morning. The Lord asked for our whole selves. But hear this. May the words of your mouths and the meditations of your hearts and the service of your lives be acceptable to God, our strength, merciful redeemer, and judge. Amen.